I planned to go to law school after I graduated, but uh, looks like my folks won't have enough money to put me through college. Well, the world needs ditch diggers, too. Entrepreneurship, scaling business plans. Then I became the CEO man. Are you ready to be mentored by some of the best minds in entrepreneurship in the world? Then you're listening to the right podcast, Ditch Digger CEO. We're going to be interviewing CEOs and founders who will be telling their amazing, rags to riches stories. These entrepreneurs who dominate the industries they serve will be sharing the secrets to their success. We'll be talking to millionaires and billionaires. Many who started with nothing. You're going to be mentored with golden nuggets of shared experiences from my guest, whose time is worth thousands and even tens of thousands of dollars per hour. I started in the paving business right out of high school. And with no college education, mentorship has been my education of choice. I started over 25 companies in the last 20 years, have generated over $1.5 billion in revenues. My guarantee is this. If you listen to Ditch Digger CEO and you want to be more successful, you will become more successful. The secrets of my success and for many of the world's greatest business leaders will be revealed. Let Ditch Digger CEO mentor you. All right, here we are today at Ditch Digger CEO. We, uh, we're interviewing, this is, this is number four, I think, right? So this is number four. And uh, our, our goal here is to interview some of the best minds in entrepreneurship and startups and business leadership um, in the world. And I'll tell you what, we got somebody here today I consider one of the top minds in the world when it comes to startups, when it comes to venture capital, when it comes to amazing uh, entrepreneurial ideas. This friend of mine, I am so blessed to have this guy as my buddy. Um, every time I talk to him, I'm energized, and you're going to get energized by listening to the way this guy's mind thinks. So, Bijou, welcome, my buddy Bijou, to uh, today's podcast. Um, done a lot of amazing things, and uh, introduce yourself there, partner. Thanks so much, uh, Gary. Uh, great to be here. Uh, it's an honor. Uh, so, Bijou Kulatharko, I'm the CEO of uh, Halo Investing, and uh, we're a financial technology company. We make uh, safer investments for, for retail investors uh, around the world. Uh, I've done a couple of different startups before this, uh, most notably as one of the early co-founders of a company called Redbox, which uh, a lot of few people have heard of. Uh, and then uh, outside of that, I just really like uh, tech startups in general, and I like, I like doing things that are positive sum, net positive sum for the world. Those are the things that really motivate me. Absolutely. And, and, and again, when you think about the, the difference that Redbox made in an industry. It's it's awesome to think about what what happened there and and heck it's doing it, even today it's doing well. Um, it's not not the fit everywhere I guess right from what I'm hearing, but it's still a strong company. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that the 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 startup of that how that happened what, where you at where you at you at in your life at that point? Uh, you know what made you think about this uh, this box that spit out DVDs? Huh. Yeah no uh, so. It was a it was a very long time ago, and um, you know my my interest was not so much in movies or um, or in um, or in movie rental for that matter, but it was really it was really around automation. So you know things that things that make uh, life more efficient for us and easier for us um, are always interesting to me. So I, I you know that's sort of how I came around to the idea. I had two other friends who had, uh, you know, had come up with sort of uh, that concept too, and you know, I worked. They came up with one part of the idea. I came up with a different part of the idea. We we started working on this uh, with as a company. It was called Get a Movie uh, back then, and uh, and just like all our uh, all other ideas, it started out as something different and went through a few different iterations to get mm -hmm. here. And you know, we never probably in our biggest dreams at that point imagine it would be what it became today uh, but uh, we you know we had the company it was it was very small and we were uh, we were actually uh, uh, we created the first few prototype machines and had rolled it out into a jewel Osco and a few other retail locations hmm. and along the way 
um, McDonald's, McDonald's Corp- Corporation, um, uh, basically, uh, they were, this was back in the early 2000s, they were basically looking at uh, automated retail, like what's the future of retail? What, what else can they do with uh, McDonald's? And uh, I don't know if you know this, but McDonald's is one of the largest owners of real estate in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, of retail real estate in the world, um, so very specifically retail real estate. So, something that's uh, something that's key with uh, McDonald's is you know something Ray Kroc always said is he's in, he's not in the hamburger business; he's in the real estate business. Exactly. And uh, what they've done that's part that's key with their franchise contracts is that uh, they either own the location or directly lease the location, and then you know have a contract with the franchisee. Mm-hmm. So they've done that from the very beginning. And they've been very successful with that. That's a that's a key part of the innovation they had in their business from, you know, 60, 70 years ago. Mm-hmm. And then they were wondering, hey, uh, at that point, what can they do? What's the what's the future of retail? What can they do with all this retail real estate they have? And one of the ideas they had at that point was to put automated concepts on it. So the original Red Box was was an automated something like an automated Seven Eleven. If you can imagine that, it sure. was like it was like a it was like a large wall size kiosk, and that was put out at the first. You know, they they piloted at like ten or fifteen locations, um, uh, mostly on the East Coast, and that was what Redbox originally was. How, how did uh, how did that partnership begin? In other words, did did McDonald's see you guys or your idea? Did you guys go to them? How did that come about? So we had originally. Um, we had, I think, reached out to them a long time ago, and just like all partnerships, you know, the, the first time we kind of talked about it, it was not maybe the exact fit for them because they were still doing that automated retail, uh, that 7-Eleven kind of concept. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but later on, they noticed, okay, you know, uh, that original concept was not working, but then they needed to do something else to uh, to to make automated retail work, and then that ended up being these uh, DVD kiosks. Uh, so their whole idea was to have the DVD kiosk then to bring customers to McDonald's. That was a whole strategic idea. Mm-hmm. So so we, we and, talked and, to them all. And at this point, they knew you guys were, were you guys get a movie at this point? And they, we they were, knew we were, Yeah, we were get a movie at that, at that point. And Redbox at that point was just a project within McDonald's. Okay. It was not even a separate company. So it was just a project that McDonald's was running. Then, um, as as it became clear that this DVD business was going to be the main business for 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 retail at McDonald's at Redbox, mm-hmm. uh, and you know they didn't have the technology. I mean, we basically have the technology to do this, so they decided to spin out um, Redbox as a separate company with McDonald's and the Get a Movie shareholders as founding shareholders okay. in that. So that's how that that concept came about. And from then, uh, you know, the great thing McDonald's brought to the table is they brought uh, all this real estate and they bought a lot of capital. Mm -hmm. And they also brought a great team. And so that really helped us scale that business. Can I ask you one question? Did you guys ever go to, let's say, Blockbuster with this idea or or Hollywood videos, any of those guys? Absolutely. We went to all of them. We went to Blockbuster, Hollywood Video, and Movie Gallery. Mm -hmm. You know, know, the interesting thing I learned from that experience, and, and by the way, all of them, like, they all said, no, this is not going to work, <laughs> okay? And, and they're all out of business now, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but, but you know, it, it's, this is something that's really interesting. You, you learn from any industry. It's a lesson that applies to any industry when you try to do innovation is when you, when you uh, approach the incumbent in an industry, someone who's already in that space, mm-hmm. they, uh, they are more concerned about how are they going to transition their current business mm-hmm. to whatever that new business is? And that's a lot of risk for them. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's actually a hard concept for most people to get. I mean, you know, it's it's maybe easy to to look at Blockbuster and say, hey, you know what, they they should have done this or they should have done that. Mm-hmm. But but when you really think uh, think about it, ninety nine percent of Fortune five hundred companies really have the same problem. Sure. And it's a very human problem because you're doing something. You you're waking up every morning and you're doing something that's your main business. 
And you know in some ways maybe your main business needs to change to do something different, but it's hard for a lot of people to make that transition. It's, it's just a very the, hard the, thing to the do. The expense and the risk of change is huge, right? Yeah, and you know the way companies are run right now with quarterly earning cycles, mm, with yeah, yeah. you know a very short-term mentality, the, the risk reward is set up that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and maybe that's a it's a blessing for people like me who are startup entrepreneurs because uh, we have the ability basically to to do the innovation off a company's balance sheet in a separate you know in a separate vehicle. And at mm-hmm. some at some point, you know, companies like mine either go public or they get get acquired by a bigger company because they they see that as the only way to innovate. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the future, but 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 it's interesting you say that because with with Blockbuster and Hollywood Video and all these other players at that point, right? The incumbents saw it very difficult to 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 take the innovative step because that innovation affected their core business. What was interesting with McDonald's was that for them this was just you know it was a side bet. It was a side bet, it, and it was just the worst that they could lose for the most part was really some money. Mm-hmm. Which is not a lot of money in the in the grand scheme of things. So uh, one key lesson I learned out of that is that um, you know sometimes when you try to innovate and you want to change something in a field, um, it it's not always the best idea to go to somebody who's already completely in that field unless ah, that person yeah. is willing to make that leap. Sure. So you know somebody like McDonald's at the time, I think that was they, weren't they into uh, their own venture capital type of uh, organization at the time, and they're looking for other things outside burgers and all that, right? And and uh, I think they acquired a few companies back then, and so they're into that. And I, and I think that you know since then, I think they've moved out of that. That that from what I've seen, you know, the Chipotle's of the world, I think they've they've sold that, and as well as Redbox and others, right? Yeah, they got they got out of all the other um, they got out of Redbox and all the other all the other ventures because uh, it's uh, uh, because again few companies although they have corporate venture arms really make the really make the uh, transition of managing a super innovative but different businesses in their portfolio with their existing stable mm-hmm. cash cows. Right, right, right. Uh, and Chipotle is a good example. McDonald's sold that at a you know maybe two or three billion dollar valuation. And uh, but it went public not long after at you know and the 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 value went to us, I think twelve or fifteen billion dollars. So you still know, growing, and they're, they're the, still the highest growing. they've ever been, I think, recently. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what what so what what are your what are your biggest lessons in that in that whole? And you mentioned you mentioned one or two there. But think about your biggest lessons in that whole experience. You know, joining partners with a with the behemoth, behemoth of McDonald's. And uh, anything you would have done differently? Do you feel like you guys did all the right stuff um, looking back? So, I mean, you know, we, uh, as, a, as, a, as a startup, you're always making mistakes, right? The, 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 uh, the thing is not about what you, uh, what you do right or about getting everything right, but it's, it's really about, hey, just surviving through all your mistakes, <laughs> but doing better, improving from all your mistakes. That's really all it is. When I when I look at people who've succeeded and who failed, the only people who succeed, in my experience, the people around me, the people who've succeeded, are the people who've just like gone past and and done better after making mm-hmm. mistakes. Uh, the people who don't mis- don't ma- make mistakes are the people who haven't tried. Yeah, right. That's, that's, to- that's totally the truth. The part of the process of, of strong growth in entrepreneurship. Yeah. Right, is failing fast, understanding you know what what caused the failure. How do you learn from it, and how can you how can you be better for it, right? And that's our opinion here. Absolutely. So I think in in terms of um, the the lessons, you know, key lessons that I learned, I guess, from the Red Box experience was that a, when it comes to innovation, you know, the who you think as the most intuitive or natural partners for you originally are not um, the the best partners for you to really change change the industry mm-hmm. uh, because the the future of any industry is not just an extrapolation of the present but it's something that which is very disruptive and it applies to all businesses if you look at fortune the fortune 500 or even the the top 50 companies in the u.s today it's radically different than the top 50 companies in the u.s 40 years yeah, ago absolutely so you'll see that on a constant level across the board the um the uh the other uh, the other uh, thing I learned about business uh, from from that experience too is that, 
you know, the biggest reward you're always going to have is uh, is is impact. So I think even with uh, even with Redbox, the 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 biggest uh, reward from Redbox that I saw was basically seeing a, a business, a technology that a lot of America, I would say 60, 70 percent of America have, have used at some <laughs> point and they're happy with, you know, and that's going to be the, the best thing that you're ever going to get out of a business. Sure. So uh, so after that business, I really focused on um, focusing on impact. You know, impact is the most important reward from a business. And that's the same in, in my current business, too. If you. Uh, I can I can talk to you later about like the the values that are important to us in our current business, but the number one value, and we say this every day at our company today, is impact. And and we actually have a phrase in our in our uh, in our office. It says impact before profits, hmm. uh, because like because that's important to us. Yeah, and profits will come if you if you impact an industry as you guys have in, in your in your past life, and your and I know what you're doing today. You're going to impact you're going to impact lives in, in your industry like. Maybe never before, your profits will come, and they they'll be there. Absolutely, and and the other thing is when in the dashboard of life, right? When you look at the dashboard of life, if you are if the if the if the speedometer or the dials, the things you're looking at have to do only with dollars, mm-hmm. you're going to make the wrong decision. Absolutely. So you're going to make the wrong decisions long term because you have to really think long term. You want to think of a business that's going. It's not a business for the next quarter or the next you know, year, but for the next 50 or 100 years. And the best way to think for the next 50 or 100 years is to look at impact mm-hmm. and not dollars. And the, the, the cool thing, the great thing about life, though, the great thing about, about life in general is that when you focus on that impact, the profits sort of take care of itself. Exactly. And, and that's really the truth. So we're, you know, you, and I, you know, I've known you for, gosh, maybe 10 years, 12 years we've been buddies. Yeah. And it uh, didn't take long for us to be buddies either. I mean, I, I feed off your energy and it's been a lot of fun. And that's mutual. Uh, so when, when, I, when I think about, uh, you know, you're, you've been a wise son of a gun for, you know, you're a young guy still. You, you know, in, in your early 30s when I first met you, you're almost as wise as you are today. Nah, man, you, you've gained <laughs> some for sure, right? But, you know, who was your mentors that, that uh, created the awareness that you, that you gained? Uh, about business, about about impact, and about uh, you know life in general. I, I think the I think the most important mentors in my life by far have been my parents. Mm-hmm. You know they've been the, the by far the most important mentors in my life, and that's from a very early age. You know my my dad uh, my dad was an entrepreneur. Uh, I mean he was a journalist and entrepreneur in, in his own way, and. Uh, and uh, he really taught me like the the importance of networking, mm-hmm. of getting to know people. That being successful is not just about knowing things, but about uh, knowing people mm. and working with people. Because it's not just about how good you are, but about uh, the people you you convince you you know uh, you can share your vision and ideas with. Mm-hmm. And he taught me that early on, and he and you know the great thing about having parents as mentors is that you um, you learn some of these things, you learn some of these lessons even subconsciously, you know, yeah. uh, without thinking that don't they're lessons. You don't, don't even know you're learning, right? That's exactly <laughs> right. You don't even know you're learning. Those are like the best mentors. Yeah, you know, where Absolutely. it's not a lesson, where it's just it's it's just part of the uh, part of something you learn because of. Uh, because of uh, it's an example sure and uh so you know my dad being an entrepreneur um and that he taught me the value of networking knowing people uh, and and thinking that everything is possible he always taught me at a very young age Mm -hmm. that everything's possible that i could do it you know um my 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 mom in a different way she's also an entrepreneur she she really taught me more about like uh, managing risk and analyzing things and you know um, and and looking at uh, looking at like making sure I manage manage the downside in situations too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think both those different views uh, brought like a good good balance uh, to me. Absolutely. And along the way, in, in you know different businesses, I've always I've always been lucky. I've had different people, uh, different people I worked with, different uh, uh, people I worked for. You know, who've mentored me in 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 different ways, but I, I would say the most important mentors in my life would be my parents. Awesome. 
Hey, so I wanted to actually ask you, because I'm looking up Forbes right now, right? One of the things that they talk about when it comes to networking, if you can expound on it, Gary, and a lot of people want to know, because everyone says you have to network in order to become successful. Um, but a lot of the things that they're saying that holds people back is their mindset, uh, you know, they limit their network, they aren't strategic, they aren't proactive, or they don't even schedule time to do it. What would you probably say from a novice entrepreneur, startup, a seasoned entrepreneur who's trying to grow their business, what are some things you did to start applying those things that your dad taught you as far as networking? Yeah, I'd say one of the key things about networking is about using social capital. And the key thing about using social capital is if you don't use your social capital, you lose it. Okay. But then two, the important thing about networking is when you network, the best way you can enjoy your fruits of networking is don't network with looking for a return. Like network because you want to help people. You know, when you help people, when you want to help people, the return's going to come on its own and you don't have to think about it. You don't have to worry about it. You are networking. If you focus on networking because you want to help other people as opposed to what it's going to do for you, that's going to be, that's going to be the best type of networking. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and again, the, the connections, the connections and the, um, you know, you sort of become sort of the human LinkedIn yeah. Uh, automatically, <laughs> right? That's it's you just do that automatically. You just you have interesting ideas to share with other people, and and you know one of the key reasons I network is for a very selfish reason because I I I, I love listening to ideas from different people like Gary, you know, like so you, you know when I talk to people, I talk to people because they have interesting ideas that you can't really learn from just watching movies or reading books or you know anything else like you you have to talk to people Mm -hmm. and that's one of the biggest fruits uh i've gained from networking so i think it's a key things in in networking is don't network because you're looking for that you're looking for something tangible in return network because you want to help people so selfish networking really isn't networking right i mean unselfish networking is is the only you know it's the only networking because i agree with you you know when when i when i network with you and i over this time and other other great friends of mine um, you you can feel that they actually care about what you're doing and, and where you're going and how can they help right and 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 if if you're a compassionate person you're like man I, I got to pay back more than they're paying me right I I got to figure out how I can help them and I think you know that back and forth is just invaluable and I can you know there's so many things that, that I've done in my business I've you know bounced things off of you and said hey, you know Bijou I, I got to meet with you Bijou when, when, when can we meet up right we meet up we talk about things and, and more ideas come from it and and uh, and then, I'm, then in my mind, I'm like, yeah, how can I help him more? Now, he just, he just gave me some nuggets that, that I can use. Now, you know, Bijou, how can I help you more, right? And I, I think if that's your mindset, you can't lose. Right? Yeah, I, I think in, 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 uh, absolutely in, 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 that, in, that, in that vein of thought, basically in, in business, right, being compassionate and being empathetic um, are super important in, in business. Hmm. Because being compassionate, like basically, hey, you're there to help people. And I think, you know, the way I look at business in general, it's my philosophy about business in general, right? It's a uh, business is a way to to be compassionate to the world in some way, and you could do that through many different vehicles. You could you could work for a nonprofit, you could work for you know you could work for the government, you could work for private enterprise, but it just turns out because of the way you know life has shaped me, my DNA, the, a company and a business is the best vehicle for me, just from my experience. Mm-hmm. But it could be different for different people. But you have to, uh, I think, at the end of the day, the goal should still be the same. You should be compassionate to the world, and you want to help the world in some way. And you also, to really be most successful at business, you have to be empathetic. You have to, you have, to have mm-hmm. empathy. Empathy if, helps in business. If, if you don't, in my, in, in my opinion, I think probably like yours, right? If, if you don't have that, in my opinion, people don't, they don't come to work passionate about working in your organization. They don't, they don't, they don't, they're not going to be as, as passionate about, about, you know, hitting the goals that, that you set out as a team to hit out, to hit, right? And, I, and so, so um, I see that in businesses everywhere. The most, the most empathetic, you know, passionate leaders uh, inspire other people to do more than they would do without them. And, and, and becomes an amazing, a great organization instead of just a mediocre organization with a leader that you know, might not be inspiring as well as they could. So, uh, I mean, awesome thoughts. I love that. Absolutely. And to, to, that applies two ways. So it applies to your employees and it applies to your customers. Mm-hmm. So to employees, you know, you can't motivate people just by paychecks and, and, and stock, stock options. You know, you can 
um, if you really want to motivate people, you have to motivate people by the mission and about how doing that mission is going to help them help the world. Okay, so it's not just about the, the paychecks they're going to get. Same thing for your customers. You know, if you're only pitched to your customers as you have a product that's cheaper or faster, whatever, that's not enough to, to motivate customers either. Mm-hmm. So to customers too, you have to really... If you can, if you can make the pitch, and sometimes it's not easy to do that with every, every every product in every instance, but you know, overall, I think you can do that with a lot of different products. And but if you can make the pitch about, hey, how this is with this with this product, like the way you deliver a certain product or service, you know, you can do something that's going to dramatically change the industry or change the world in something that's better mm-hmm. is net positive. Absolutely. That motivates customers. I mean, that customer would be willing to pay more to use your product than a cheaper competitor because they feel like that's going to help the world. Yeah, absolutely. Differentiation that, that creates value, right, in their eyes is, is key. And, 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 you know, they want to be able to tell their team why they're partnered with you and, and, and the value they get from that. And, and I, you know, I agree. I mean, our businesses, are, if they're not built with great differentiation, then you know what? Go home. You're, you're probably not going to be, be the company you, you want to be, the, your, your team members want to be, and your customers want to do business with. So I, I, I love it. Um, what, what would you say are, uh, you, know, core, you know, core values in, you know, personally right now and core values that you, that you bring to business every day? And what do, you, what do you feel are the most valuable ones that you that you live by personally? Your, you know, you and your wife, your wife Lauren, and the, and the kids, and and then you're in your in business. Are there any similarities there in your eyes? There, there are a lot of similarities. You know, I think at the end of the day, right? The, um, uh, you know, it, it it boils back to this that it, it it comes back to the concept of like you being a business leader, okay? Uh, being a better business leader, the same things that make you a better business leader are the things that make you a better human being. Okay, so that's that's critical. Mm-hmm. So there's yep. a lot of your personality carries over into into your business. So um, you know, I'll start with I'll start with the business side, and I'll I'll start with uh, what we we tell our entire team uh, our core values and uh, and and sort of what we live by on a day to day basis in the business. So core values in the in the business is not like number our number one value is uh, is impact. You know. We uh, we happen to be we have a financial product. We think our product is going to make it easier for people to invest and retire with more safety, invest and grow their money with with more safety. And so, but we are driven really by the impact of that. We want to impact people around the world. We do a lot of business outside the United States and in the United States, and we we have a product that. We just don't think, uh, you know, this was a product that was traditionally sold to the very rich uh, around the world, and we've sort of democratized this product and made it simple and easier, and and we're getting along that process where we're making it for everybody. So number one goal is impact. Mm -hmm. And by impact, what we mean is how many different lives can we affect by this with this product? Uh, So that's number one. Number two is... uh, we want to basically create a product that our customers really love. Okay, uh, so this is beyond impact. This is also, hey, our customers really have to love. We want our customers to have a good experience with this product. And you know, you're not going to be like you want to have a hundred percent of your customers always saying, "Hey, I love mm-hmm. your product." You're always going to have some people who really love your product, some people who you know want some things to be different, and all of that. But net, net. We want to have a product that our customers really love. That's our value number two. Raving, raving fans, I call those. Raving fans, big promoters, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and and different ways to measure that. But that's that's super important. That the fact that your customers really love their product. Mm-hmm. Um, number three is we want to create a culture that our employees really love, and uh, that's really important for us because if you don't have a great employee culture, you can't have a great. Uh, you can be you can't really serve your customers well. You mm-hmm. can then get your impact right. So you have to have um, a culture your employees really love, and a culture your employees really love is. It's not it's not just about, it's just not uh, you know we don't say we we've talked about this internally. We're like it's not just about making our employees happy, right? Because there are sometimes it's about uh, making our employees uh, feel like they've done something of significance. Uh, you know, its significance 
that's more important than just happiness. Mm -hmm. So because there are a lot of things in life that, you know, don't just give you a positive emotion, but you feel very satisfied and significant after you've done it. So like running a marathon or climbing a mountain, you know, those are not like you're not happy when you're running a marathon, (laughs) you know, but you're you're satisfied. You're you know, you feel like you've done something significant after you've run that marathon. Speak right? for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I love marathons. You love Gary's when smiling. I Gary's when I do them someday. Someday when, you, when I do you them. You do them someday in the future, right? Yeah. Exactly. And then the key word is after. It's not during. Because during, you like, what did I do? Why am I here? Why am I here? Absolutely. So, But we want our, uh, we want our employees to feel like they've uh, traded their time to, to work with us because they could they could have been anywhere else, right? They traded their time to work with us, and they've done something that's significant in their life. Uh, that that sense of achievement is important for us, their employees feel. And number four, in terms of value, and this is like our least important value. It's still an important value, but it's our least important value is basically make a profit because we have to, you know, we have shareholders, we have we have stakeholders that we want to uh, make a profit for. But the, but what we that's found, right. I'm I'm looking for some big returns, brother. Yeah, and in full disclosure, <laughs> Gary Gary is a shareholder in our company. So, uh, but you know, I, I I can say this. I can say this to you, Gary. You're a shareholder in our company, and I can say this to you because I feel like prioritizing the number, the other three values before profits, right, mm-hmm. will actually help us deliver better profits Absolutely. and better values to you as a shareholder, mm-hmm. right? And that's that's key. That's uh, that's really key, and it's so far it's worked out for us. You know, we're still in our process, we're still in our journey, but this is something I've learned through experience: is that hey, this is this is super important, like having your values mm-hmm. this way. So, how do, how do you take your values home? Uh, you know, does does Lauren want to really hear about them, or what? Uh, you know, is, mm-hmm. is she excited about the same values at home, <laughs> or how do, they, how do they vary? I I think at home the the important thing is you know my wife and I have. You know, uh, my wife and I have different interests, but we have very similar values. So, uh, to 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 Lauren and I, I think you know, a lot of our key values uh, uh, go around. Hey, we have to well, we have to raise our kids in the best best way. We have to do fun things together. We have to, uh, you know, we have our own different like uh, you know, travel to certain places, different things of greatness. You know, those are very significant. The things that at home too, what's important is the the values for us at home are not just about. It's not for us about just buying a big house or a big car or a big boat or anything like that. If for us, the the important things are the things that create memories for us, yeah. and memories are are really travel, you know, other experiences we have in life, but also most importantly our kids because at this point our kids are very young and life is a lot about our kids. Yeah, so. it's got to be, got to be, awesome. Yeah, how about how about uh, this new this new business that you've got going is an amazing amazing organization that that I think is going to just explode and <clears throat> I think that that again the um, the impact you're going to bring to the world uh, you know people that that don't have ten million dollars to invest in a product that they want to invest a thousand or ten thousand or whatever they they're going to have access to this product through a lot of different vehicles um, tell me about that how how that come about and 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 you know what what's you know what started that idea and then where did it go and where is it at and where is it going to go Five years out, ten years out. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so you know, I met I met my co-founder Jason. Thanks to you, Gary. So, uh, so I met you know Gary had been telling me for a long time to meet to meet Jason, and I finally met him. And, and basically, in two short months, we started talking about this idea. And our idea was basically that you know we saw we saw this product called Structured Products. It was sold to the very rich uh, in this country and around the world. And we found that this product actually had a lot of utility, had a lot of value. It helped these people protect. It basically gave them exposure to the market. It helped them make some money, but also gave them some protection when the market was swinging this way or the other. So we felt that, hey, this has a value to everybody. Why isn't everybody doing this? So you know, we would meet basically every Sunday. We would meet. We would basically meet every Sunday for four hours, uh, you know, whiteboarding this idea, you know, discussing. Because, you know, your idea is, 
whatever your first idea is, is is always not that it's wrong, but it always needs to be oh, yeah. radically improved, right? But let, let me so, let me interrupt for just a second. So sure. so Jason is a is a is a friend of mine that that just like Bijou, when I met with Jason, anytime we'd have lunch breakfast, we'd try to do it a few times a year at least. Um, and I'd every time I'd see the, you know see these guys, I'd say, man, you got to meet my buddy Bijou, and and, and Bijou, you got to meet my buddy Jason. And and uh, you know Jason's a young was a young guy with an amazing financial mind. Um, in, in a, making a great living, working for one of the biggest banks in the world. Um, but, you know, you could tell you know, his father was an amazing entrepreneur. Eventually, we're going to get him on this on this podcast, um, Dennis, but amazing entrepreneur and an amazing person. <clears throat> and you can see that, you know, Jason had a little of that in him, right? He wants, he wants to someday be, you know, loves what he's doing and he's kicking butt. Making a ton of money, but you know what? He's really an entrepreneur at heart, and so I kept on. You know, every time I'd say, "You got to meet my buddy, it was you." And and eventually, sure enough, we had a fundraiser. We put them, I put them next to each other, and they kind of pushed their wives to the side and said, "You, you <laughs> girls need to meet and talk because these two, I want to spend some time together." But so it was, it was just fun, fun that you know that uh, you guys got together and you came up with this idea. Um, but it's so exciting going forward to see your friendships, how close you guys are today. How much you love each other and love working together, and and two amazing, in my opinion, amazing minds are going to equate to some great things. So sorry, sorry to interrupt, but I had to say, yeah. you know, uh, Jason, Jason, just an amazing guy, amazing partner to have. In my, in my opinion, I'm proud of you guys and what you're doing. But sorry. Thank you, thank you so much. And I think a lot of the success in in our business is because, uh, at least for me, I can speak personally, is that because they've got great partners. Starting with Jason, Jason, mm-hmm. fantastic partner. I mean, he's amazingly passionate. You know passionate about the business, passionate about selling, and he's, he, he really wants to change the world. He sincerely mm-hmm. believes this. Absolutely. And I'm super fortunate to have him as a partner. So Jason and then like some of the other, uh, through Jason I met some of our other board members, some of our other, um, some of our other employees, and you know, we've, and, and we've got a great partnership. And that's, uh, you know, it's one of the key things in starting a company for anybody. You know, you're only as good as the people around mm-hmm. you. Starting with your co-founder, starting with your other partner, starting with your employees, starting with your board. Yep. Like all these, all these elements are super critical uh, to to be successful. So, so uh, that's sort of how it started through through Gary through but, the, through these connections. But it, you know, so where where it's at today and where it's going tomorrow, I want to know where where my yeah. money's going, dude. Is it? Am I going to make some? <laughs> is, it, is something going to come about? Actually, I, I'm not even worried about that, but. In your opinion, yeah. where, where, are you, where are you going and where are you going to be 10 years from now with this business? Yeah, so what's what's been great about the business is in basically in a short two and a half years, okay, we've built a business that's become one of uh, like a leading platform for this product, uh, which has made the product, you know, easier, cheaper. It's still not all everything we want it to be yet, but we've made, a, we've made dramatic improvements in the product where uh, a lot of the leading banks, a lot of the leading brokerages around the world keep calling us. We, we, we speak to some of them, but they also call us saying, hey, they want to use this product. That's amazing validation. Is there a generic name for the type of product? It's know? called a structured product structured or a structured product. note. Okay, there you go. You know, most people, uh, most people haven't generally heard of it, but that's what we want to change, um, both in the United States and around the world. So we're actually doing business right now uh, in the US, uh, in, in Africa, and in Asia. Uh, so we've got customers in like three continents, uh, North America, Africa, and Asia. And we will soon go to South America and then also to Europe. But we're finding banks and brokerage firms around around the world basically um, really liking this product and validating this. And that's amazing Like because in other businesses I've had, I've never gotten this sort of validation globally, mm. right? And we yeah. want to take this where we really want to make this um, like a retail product. We want to make it so that, so that uh, you know, like a like a rice farmer in India uh, can basically put some part of his savings at some day. Mm-hmm. It's not ready today, but at some point, like basically use this product. So everybody in the world has access to this product because that's where we think that investing will go. Because what happens right now, uh, we feel on a very high level, is when when people invest. Uh, they either go too safe, so they leave their money into cash and mm-hmm. not, you know, earn a real return off of it, or they go too much with too much risk in the stock market. So they don't really have a way to go somewhere in between. And this is what this product really lets them do. 
And, uh, and we want to do that. We want to create the best experience for our customers and also make it really safe and easy for our customers. And that, and that product was available for, for very wealthy people prior with big banks. Is that, is that correct? A similar product, I would say, right? And, then, it, and now it's going to be available to people that uh, need to you know, invest $10,000, $5,000, 2000 whatever, right? That's, that's exactly right. So basically, this product was traditionally available only in very big sizes to the very rich. Mm-hmm. So at the big bank, so probably 95% of, uh, but there's about 50, 60 billion dollars of this product sold every year in the country. There's about 400 billion dollars outstanding just in this country, but three trillion dollars globally. Wow! But the three trillion dollars globally is largely sold to the very rich. So even the U.S., 95% of that 50 to 60 billion, or 95% of that 400 billion, is available is mostly sold to the super rich at the very big private banks. Uh, like at a Goldman Sachs or something like that. And we want to basically make it where somebody can go into their Schwab account uh, or their Fidelity account and buy this in small sizes, but do it in the right way, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with the right with the right uh, safeguards in place for that investor. So 10 years down the road, where do you see, the, where do you see Halo? I mean, what, what would you envision? Uh, 10 years down the road, uh, you know, I think that Halo will be in a lot of financial institutions around the world. We'll also have uh, you know millions, maybe tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions of, of retail customers uh, around the world. Uh, so this is not you know we see the market as not just the United States, but 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 global, and uh, that's that's been the exciting part for us. So so when you think about valuation, you know valuation today, valuation originally, the valuation today, and the valuation ten years from now, what, what would you? If you, if you said, "Hey, this is a, I'm going to throw a dart," but I think this is going to be pretty close, right, to the bullseye. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'll say valuations are things I don't like to talk on a on a podcast. That's okay. You're very with, for- but you're with your buddy. Right? Yeah, so right. nobody's nobody's going to hear this. <laughs> no, problem. no one's going to hear this, right? Exactly. That's how podcasts work, right, Gary? But uh, no, valuations are. I mean, we've been blessed. Like our valuations gone up a lot from our first round um, to where where it is today, and we think it'll go up a lot too. But that's uh, but I, I, I tell the team too all the time, right? That's not uh, when when we look at that dashboard in our business, that's not the thing we want to focus on. We want to focus on impact, and impact for us is like, hey, are we making, are we looking at uh, making this product simpler, <coughs> cheaper, safer to get it to the maximum number of customers? Could it be a billion dollar valuation in ten years? I think it'll be way sooner than that. All way right. sooner. That's, that's, there you go. We got something out of them anyway, right? <laughs> all right. So my investment will be okay. I'm thinking. <laughs> good, good, good. Um, so when when you think about the, you know, whether it be your original businesses that you know you're a startup guy, and, and in venture capital you're you're investing in startups, and then and now you have this business again. I think you still do some investing in some other stuff, but but this is your main 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 objective here to grow this. When you think about these, what are some lessons you learned where you really know you got you got knocked in, you got beat beat down a little bit, you got knocked in the teeth, and and you man you had to get up, but it hurt. You know what what are some some great lessons you learned through some pain, not just the normal hey we made it, this, we tried this it didn't work we're going to move on right, but something that really kicked you in the teeth. What can you can you think back of something that uh, you would say man that really hurt, but boy I learned a lot. Absolutely. So uh, one I'll say I love to learn. And uh, then, the, but the lesson I learned about learning is that the only way you can learn is to endure pain. pain right? Yeah. You're only <laughs> going to learn through mistakes. You know, you're not going to learn as much through successes. You're going to learn a lot through failures. And I've had, you know, I've had a lot of failures, but but overall, net net, things have worked out well for me. But uh, the, you know, one one big lesson I learned is the importance of culture. Is basically focusing a lot on culture. I think when I when I first started out, you know, I'm a I'm a sort of a technology guy. I focus a lot more on the technology and the product, and I think that hey, if I if I learned how to code in a certain way, or if I learned to uh, you know build robotics in a certain way, and if I did that better than anybody else, I'd be successful. Sure. It's just about and 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 I didn't realize that I was really thinking just more about me, but uh, what I've learned over the years is. You know, it's so important. Culture is way more important. Mm. Culture, you can have bad product but good culture, and you can still win. But if you have good product but bad culture, you can lose. Yes. Yep. Right? And that's, uh, I learned that through some painful lessons. But the, the, the why culture is so important is if it's just you, right, 
you don't really need culture because you don't need to really talk to anybody, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I mean, you're only talking to outside shareholders and people like that. But as soon as you go for more than just you to the to, to second person in your team, to the third person, to the tenth person in your team, to the hundredth person in your team, you have to, the, the hundredth person in the team needs to know what you're thinking about or how you would have made a certain decision or how you both would have made a certain decision without talking to you about the decision, mm-hmm. right? And the only way they'll know that is to know what your values are and the only way they'll, you can communicate those values is through your culture. Absolutely. So, so culture is a way for you to communicate values to everybody in your team. Great. And that is super, super important. And that's the only way to win. I, I, I agree and I love it. I mean, I, you know, 20 years ago, I, would have, I wouldn't have thought about it either. I'm in the same way, right? I just wanted to pave parking lots and driveways the best I could. Figured that, you know, everybody just wants that. So you're going to get great, great culture because people are going to want to do the same thing that are working with you. And it's not quite the deal, right? I mean, you, you need people that really love doing what they do and, and the cause has to be beyond building that great product even, right? So I, I agree 100%, and I know you do a great job with it. What, what, what do you believe, um, in, in your opinion, um, tell me how, how the free enterprise system has, has, uh, has created these blessings in a, in a way that maybe it wouldn't if you were in a socialist environment or you know, just, a, just, a, just a non-free enterprise-driven environment, wherever that might be in the world. What, you know, where, tell me what you feel about those things. Absolutely. And, you know, I... I had the the blessing of growing up in a country you know so sometimes easy for uh, I think if I grew up in uh, if I only grew up in the United States I could say I love free enterprise but everything I know about socialism is something I read in books Mm -hmm. right but um, I grew up in I grew up in a country that was actually largely socialist Mm -hmm. you know it was it was a democracy but it was socialist Mm -hmm. and I could see how long it took to get things done you know how hard it, it was to get simple things done like to get if you wanted to get a, a phone line installed it took months or years sometimes you know mm-hmm. growing and I, I grew up in india uh, yep. in my very early years and it took a really long time to do very simple things and it was intuitive even as a child to realize that hey this is this doesn't make sense like you know, there's no reason mm-hmm. something so simple should take so much time. So, you know, I came to the United States at a very young age, and I was, uh, you know, uh, I came here for school. I ended up, you know, staying, and I've, I've really lived here most of my life right now. Mm-hmm. And I can really see the see the difference now. Now, you know, the free enterprise system, like anything else, like capitalism, has its problems and has its has its disadvantages in in different ways, uh, but Compared to every other system all around the world and compared to how we implement it compared to other countries around the world, uh, I still think it's, it's the best. Okay, and I think, uh, but, but also if, I think uh, another critical thing is that if you really want to grow uh, the free enterprise system globally, right, I think it's, it's super important uh, to build to to build businesses uh to promote that but also also look out for some of the people who who fall through the cracks mm-hmm. in a system like this sure. i think it's possible to do both you know i think sometimes the conversation in our country is too much around hey you either capitalist or if you want to you know if you want to help someone who's yeah. not so lucky you're not a capitalist right right? Yeah. right and and i think that's i think that's the wrong conversation right i think it should be I think you can actually you can help the poor uh, or people who need it better through capitalism than <laughs> outside. And you and you see this around the world. Like a good example, interestingly, a good example is uh, this is an interesting example is China. Okay, China has lifted more people out of poverty than any other country in the history of the world, and they lifted. Although China is a communist socialist country, mm-hmm. they lifted people out of poverty through capitalism mm-hmm. because they started you know they 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 had this guy ruling china named deng xiaoping he was in the this was in the late 1970s early 1980s and uh, china was a socialist country it had a very low gdp per capita very poor a lot of a lot of problems uh but then you know he just said well we could keep the 
the the communist part around. We don't want to lose that. Well, we don't want to lose that, but but we could we could actually help. You know, there are all these people who are really poor, and we could actually help. Uh, we could actually help these people. And so he created the first uh, uh, free enterprise zones in China, and that was you know Guangzhou, Shenzhen, and that's where the first few seeds of capitalism really came in China. And that's how the rest of China, that basically brought all this industry to China, and the rest of China completely prospered. You know, Deng Xiaoping was interesting because he basically said, you know, because people at that uh, that point uh, were debating him or fighting him on the fact that he was bringing, uh, you know, capitalist systems into, uh, mm. you know, into China at sure. that point. It was a China. It's a very different China than it is today. And you know, he 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 famously said he had the, he had this quote. He basically said. Um, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter if the cat is black or the cat is white, as long as it can catch mice. <laughs> you know, so he basically said that. So he said, it doesn't matter if it's communist yeah. or capitalist, if you can, you know, if you can solve yeah. these problems. But that's that's. I think that's a critical thing. Is like, you have to, you have to. Uh, at the end of the day, right? It, it, when we look at free enterprise, like, we can't say we like free enterprise just because it's called free enterprise. We like free enterprise because it is actually the best thing in the world. Because by the results, mm-hmm. by the evidence, it's the best thing in the world. So I think I think you know some some people like yourself have that the the, the amazing amazing opportunity <clears throat> to have been from a, a country that that isn't a free enterprise driven country. Um, for me, I was I was my opportunity was um, when I started started in paving and starting out you know, out of high school in business. I didn't get unemployment, so I had to work. I, I, I was looking for an unemployment check, like my friends, and couldn't get one because I was self-employed. Um, I worked for in a factory for a friend of mine as a as a, a, a uh, in, in on the line, right, in a plastics factory, and <clears throat> in that plastics factory, the, the the greatest thing that happened was you know, I'm working minimum wage. I think it was like uh, three fifty an hour or something like that, and I'm and, and I'm working next to all these immigrants. Um, and the lessons I learned from these immigrants were amazing. All these people are working at minimum wage, maybe a tad more than minimum wage, and they, and they had these aspirations and they had these goals and, the, and these visions of, of success because they knew they had opportunities in this free enterprise system. So I'd ask them, how can you are so excited about being here for the last year or two years and working in this factory? Tell me more, right? And it was awesome to listen to you know, a friend I, I, I gained from Russia, a couple of friends from China, uh, Mexico, and all over the world in this factory. Um, so again, I, I was blessed to have the lessons um, from these people that had been there had, had been there for a short, short period of time. Here I was a 19, 20 year old guy, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, kind of, kind of um, confident in my my way, but didn't understand the, the 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 opportunity I had ahead of me until I really got to know these people. So I was like, gosh, I speak the language. I've grown up here. I've got such great opportunity. And so, so I think that was something that happened to me. That if it didn't happen, I'd be a different person today. Um, I have friends like you that that have come from these other countries as young you know young adults or uh, you know kids and, and adults that that are that here with the same mentality. And I watch them and, and how they how they tackle this free enterprise system in a way differently than many of us that are that are have been you know born here. So. I uh, appreciate that that uh, you know your opinions on it because I love I love listening to people like you that understand both sides right and actually and actually the you know the actually the the opportunities or the the potential benefits to a different you know different different you know socialist system communist system and how they yeah. might think differently and and have some success as well right? absolutely and, and the 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 cool thing is when you look at countries like even the country I grew up in India it, you know it's it's way more free enterprise now than it was before. Because they, they're also practical at mm-hmm. a certain point. They're like, okay, we need to make these changes if we have to get anywhere. The cool thing is this is this is how it how the rest of the world is. It's just becoming more free enterprise. Mm-hmm. But truly, if we have to, if uh, the free enterprise system is not a static system, it's an evolving system. Absolutely. And we have to keep making changes to it. And I think, I think, uh, in some ways, like some some of our biggest struggles with that come from within this country itself. Like we have to, you know, like there are a lot of people. Like there are a lot of people like us who are blessed in in different ways through a system like this, but then there are a lot of other people who don't, you know, who can't get ahead. And we need to solve for both. And and I think it's doable. It's not a contradictory statement to say, well, you can have great businesses, but you can also, uh, you know, help the poor. I think we can do both. And I think that's a, it's also a moral thing to do. Mm-hmm. I think from a, a morally, it's the right thing to do. And if you do that thing, it's actually better. 
as a free enterprise the, system. The balance is, is key, right? Where is the balance? And, and everybody has different opinions on what that balance looks like. You know, in my in my opinion, you know, in, in the free enterprise system, businesses that, that are that are successful usually are giving back a ton, mm-hmm. usually invest in great causes, and and that seems like the most efficient giving that I've ever seen compared to tax higher, tax more, right. tax higher, right? right? Compared to that, where it right. almost feels like theft, in my opinion, right? Where you're taxed at a crazy rate because you've been successful. Well, if I can do more with that money in a free enterprise system and in a, in a foundation and, and giving that we do, then gosh, you know what? Hey, slow up on the taxes. Let's we can invest that money better. 100% goes to the cause instead of 10% that might go to the cause in the tax in the tax system. Right. So again, we're back. You're always back and forth on this. Where's the medium, the happy medium? Because you need definitely need to 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 to, to be to be a community that supports uh, those that can't support themselves in any way at all. Right. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, well, I got a question for you, um, not to kind of just shift gears a, a little bit. What will probably be some of the, you know, you have a lot of wisdom, you know, um, to be honest with you. I'm over here. My mind is just like, you know, uh, what would be probably one of the some of the most inspiring things that you, or advice that you can give for aspiring uh, people who want to be, you know, uh, have wisdom like yourself or honestly just as successful as you are will probably be some um, advice to kind of get to the ground floor and kind of get the ball rolling on some things. So I would say I don't know about the wisdom part, but I would say just from <laughs> from whatever you know my uh, my uh, my own sort of uh, what I think about is like I think so I, I'd say if uh, you know what I tell the younger version of myself yeah. at least let me put it that way if I were talking to the younger version of myself from twenty years ago I'd say don't focus don't focus as much on the money or the product focus on the change like you just really focus on the change and solve a lot of little problems you know because people one thing i've noticed with people even i was sort of like this is that you know I was, when when i was young i would i would think about a little bit about what is the what is this big problem that i need to solve i was always looking for this big problem and realizing that you know the way you solve big problems is really solving a lot of small problems and and if you, it, the most important thing is focus on change uh, not on money. Focus on change and just focus on solving problems in the world. And because you're solving problems in the world, focus on being useful to the world. Just be useful to the world, and then that's really the best way to learn things, to 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 do well, to be successful. That's that's really simplest way to do it. That's and if you remember, um, uh, we had a gentleman, Ori Levine, who's the founder of Waze, that was in our, that was with us for a few days. Um, looking at things, you know, we had him out looking at things we were doing and how we can be better with technology. You, you met him, didn't you? Uh, and he, he showed up and he, and he always had a different T-shirt on, but the T-shirt that got me was, uh, it was just a T-shirt that said, you know, show me your problem, right? Show me your problem. And, and uh, you know, he's, he's, he sincerely believes, just like you just said, right? I, I just want to know the problem. Tell me the problem. I want to fix the problem. If I can fix the problem for more people than anybody <clears throat> else in the world, we're going we're gonna to do some good things, Right. So no, it's it's funny you say that because I, I I was trying to get you to meet him as well uh, when he was here because because I think you know your minds would would really uh, uh, feed off each other. But I think it was just funny you had this big T-shirt on it. Yeah, let's just get you to a fundraiser with him and then make sure their wives are separate and then we'll go ahead <laughs> yeah. and have you all talk. And, <laughs> <laughs> Gary's got the formula right. So. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, another question from a perspective of why do you think businesses fail currently, specifically right now in this day and age. I think I think very simply, like a lot of businesses fail because um, they don't uh, they don't really you know they just have to persevere. It's it's because of lack of grit, mm. you know. I just say grit because even if your idea is the worst idea in the world, there's something you can change it to. I think the the key thing is, you know, to be good at business, you have to, especially when you are um, when you're doing something that's disruptive. You have to be firm in certain ways, but be flexible in other ways. You have to be, you have to be this, you have to be this contradiction of being firm mm-hmm. and flexible. Yeah. And it's a contradiction because you know, because in certain things you're going to be very firm, but certain things you'll be very flexible. And you should know, like you should just be honest. And that's a that's a key thing. You can you know, you can sell whatever you want to the rest of the world, but at the end of the day, internally you have to be honest, because when when you look at Hey, if uh, you know, a lot of people think the time to fix a business is when you know it completely goes underwater, but then it's usually too late, yeah. right? You have to the, the the real way to to fix businesses is you have to sort of oh, the best time to 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 fix it is you'll start seeing a lot of telltale signs 
uh, much much earlier, and it tells you, hey, you know what, this is not the this is not the right thing, but somebody else has this problem and this problem and this problem that they need to be solved that they need to solve, and you just have to solve those those problems so because so I say so to be receptive, flexible, but decisive, right? I mean, you, as a leader, you have to be decisive. You have to be decisive, but you also I say it really is that contradiction. Mm. You have to be decisive and firm in certain ways, but you also have to be totally flexible and willing to have an open mind. And you have to keep both. Mm. And that sounds, it really sounds sure. like a strange mixture no. to a lot of people. <laughs> but yeah. but it's true, though. That's, it's the only way. You have to be decisive on certain things. You can't, you can't be flexible in everything. So, so one more thing I'd like to ask is, is this, you know, um, in your life at, at this point, in your business life, I guess business life mostly, um, Education-wise, your formal education—I I know a little bit about it, but you know, tell us about that. And then, and then your 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 non your informal education of mentorship and and networking and all that. Where do you feel the biggest values come from in your life and and and, and the success you've had today? The um, my formal education—I have a degree in aerospace engineering—and you know that's that was great, but like that was that was just a nice time spending like you know three years. <laughs> I, I finished my degree in three years of. So, Three years with some smart people and talking to the smart people, but you know, the degree itself didn't really mean much to me. You know, it was just a fun time going to some parties. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was that was probably what you know all the tuition paid for. But uh, but uh, that's not. I think that's not where you really learn. I think you really learn from from talking to people, reading books, and you know, just sort of just getting ideas really from people. Uh, because what you see is. You know there are there are problems you think need to be solved, but then when you actually go to the market, when you go to the world, and what actually hits you, the opportunities are different than the problems, sure. right? It's one thing to 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 solve a problem, but the other is to to basically get on top of an opportunity. And an opportunity is like it's it's like a wave, and so you see the wave, you just jump on the wave, and regardless of you know how smart you think you are. The market's telling you, or the world is telling mm -hmm. you, hey, you know what? This is where the wave's going to flow, and you you jump on top of that wave. Awesome. Awesome, man. Oh, awesome. I, love I love it. Yeah, this has been amazing. This has been really I told really you it was going to be amazing. Yeah, didn't yeah, I? Did I tell you or did you I tell you? Did. You know, in, in the most important books you've read, you read a lot, just like I think you know, many of us do. You know, what's a couple? What's a book or two that you'd say, man? If you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to build something in your own. You you want to be, be successful in business. Eh, what, what's what's something you've read that you say, man? This is a great book. That if I had to, if I could only read one or two books, these are a couple of books that I really believe in. You know, it's um, it's interesting. I've 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 had very few, very little like formal um, entrepreneurship books that I've really read. I've I've really listened to a lot of talks. And so in the, you know, the, you know, these podcasts are a blessing, you know, YouTube is a blessing, you know, a lot of people giving TED Talks are a blessing, like, those are talks I've really learned a lot from than even books per se today. Um, uh, I read a lot more before the, before the invention of the iPhone, but mm. nowadays, <laughs> I still, I still read a lot and I, I read really interesting books, but I don't really read that much necessarily about entrepreneurship. I read about just other different intellectually curious things for me but uh but yeah not 100 percent entrepreneurship but i love ted talks like ted talks are great sure. you know um then there is um listening to uh listening to some listen to a podcast called uh, I, I love this podcast called uh, masters of scale mm. by uh, reed hoffman that's something i really mm -hmm. love um and uh then there's another podcast as a as a startup uh or an entrepreneur listening to a podcast, uh, there's one that uh, Y Combinator, Sam Altman from Y Combinator puts out, uh, and that's that's also really good. Uh, those are all great, great so, podcasts. So those will all be like uh, just, you know, second, third, fourth behind uh, Ditch Digger CEO. That's what I was, was going to say the exact absolutely. same thing. Yeah. You know why? You know why? Because Ditch Digger CEO is still not released on the iTunes store. That's right. As soon no, as, no, no. That's as, right. soon as it's released. Watch out. Watch out. Watch out. Watch out, Reed Hoffman. That's right. <laughs> Okay, so hey. Gary Raybine's coming for you. Exactly. I'm, that, is that who I'm coming after? Reed, <laughs> read, uh, read, 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 look out. Um, <laughs> Rogan, whoever you are out there, look out. Um, okay, so when you think about, uh, you know, let's, let's put yourself now out there, 65, 75 years old, right? You're looking back, you got a couple grandkids running around, and, 
and uh, you know what what do you want to be what do you want to be looked upon as uh, uh, delivering to the to this world and if your kids are thinking about you you know you're maybe you know thinking about hey what did I do different or what did I what did I bring to this world positively what do you what do you want to be looked upon as uh, at that point you know at, even at 65 I, I hope to be actively working and doing something I'm not saying you're dead yet no but I'm not I'm not retiring or it's only 10 do, years away from not, me yeah. so it's long, <laughs> a lot longer for you no I'll still be at another startup and but but I want to and I, if I look back if I look back in the rearview mirror at that point right um, hopefully there's some you know I'm sure I'll have a a, a bunch of failed startups some burning cars but I also have some great cars in the rearview mirror and I want to sort of like look at the the great cars that are positive impact that have turned out to be positive impact and I just I just feel overall like you know if I want to if I can contribute like some net positive impact to the world mm -hmm. which is for me so far the vehicle to do that has been these startups if I can do it through these startups I'd be I'd be super thrilled most people would look back at your your short business career and say you you've already done more than most people are ever going to do in their lives. Um, I can't wait to see what it's going to look like in in 20 years for my buddy. That's for sure because it's going to be amazing. Yeah, so, man. Thank you. Good thank deal. you. Well, here's just some of the Quentin True takeaways that we got from Dish Digger CEO with Biju. Um, one first, don't just survive, but improve on your mistakes. That was actually really good. Don't network looking for a return, which I think a lot of people actually do all the time. Things that make you a good business leader will make you a better human being. That was uh, think, awesome. Yeah, things that make you a better human being make you a better business leader. That is true. That is true. Um, don't focus on money or product. Focus on change. But leaders are readers. But I think the biggest one that you said that I'm going to take away is uh, the biggest reward is impact. And Beecher, that's mm -hmm. what you do every single day, yeah. man. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, buddy, thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. I tell you what, uh, you know, I, I told Quentin this is going to be the, like the best, and he, he was getting. Yeah, I know he's. I know he's good, but you man, the best. You can steer me wrong. You going to be the best, and so we appreciate you being here, buddy. You did it. You know, you're you're awesome, and you're, I, I I really cherish your friendship. So thanks. thank you. Me too. And we'll thank see you. you all next time, Dish Digger CEO. See ya. If you enjoy this show, please share it with anyone else you think will find value here. And please go to our website, ditchdiggerceo.com, for show notes, links, video clips, and more nuggets of entrepreneurial wisdom. Don't forget to follow me on social media at ditchdiggerceo and at Gary Rabine. If you listen to our show and want to become more successful, you will become more successful. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Entrepreneurship, scaling business plans. Then I became the CEO man. We're blessed to build a business in America where soldiers fight for our freedom every day. Dad's work ethic was taught from the seat of a gravel truck. Entrepreneurship, scaling business plans. Then I became the CEO.